Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Hello. Good morning. Welcome to Tuesday. It is, yes, it is unfathomable. That's right. It is just another Beautiful day in paradise here as we get ready to crack into it. The Michael Duke Show, uh, 6 to 8 a.m. every morning here on your radio dial, uh, Monday through Friday. We dive into it. We talk about the things. We take care of stuff. We do everything that we need to do to try and entertain, educate, and enlighten the three E's, as we like to call them. Uh, we appreciate you guys coming in and being part of it. You are officially members now. Pat yourself on the back. I know that's hard. You can't get my arm back there. Pat yourself on the back. You are all members of the 6 o'clock club this morning. And uh, we appreciate you uh, coming in and being part of that uh, as well. Speaking of 6 o'clock club, if you'd like to uh, show your rep your rep yourself, rep, rep, if you'd like to, if you'd like to brag, uh, you should be able to find some 6 o'clock club mugs uh, pretty much wherever you are. If you're up in Fairbanks, you can go to uh, Frontier Outfitters. I think they've got a few. If you're down in Soldatna, you can go buy Ammo Can Coffee. If you're down in Homer, you can go to Captain's Coffee. I believe they still have a few of those hanging around. Um, and so if you've uh, missed it, uh, go ahead and go check it out. And no, I'm not going to do the fourth E, which is enraged. Somebody in the chat room just said, are you trying to enrage? No, that would be weird. Entertain, enlightenment, uh, educate, and enrage. Although I suppose sometimes based on the emails and the messages I got yesterday after my commentary, um, there was some people who were enraged by some of the things that I said, just a, a couple. It wasn't like it was a huge deluge of mail, but I did get a few pieces of, uh, email or, or, uh, electronic comments over the transom messages and stuff that, uh, you know, some were in agreement, some were not. Uh, but apparently I did enrage some people, but I expected that. That was a, I thought it was a good, uh, balanced discussion. Uh, and I hope that you guys felt that way too. It is, uh, it's good. I guess, you know, what they say is if you can't motivate, you irritate. And maybe that's, maybe that did a little bit of that yesterday. I don't, I don't know. It wasn't intentional, but maybe it's a fringe benefit. Of just not sure. Uh, all right. Uh, so what 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 do we got going on for today? Today is uh, Tuesday, of course, as I mentioned earlier. Still no tacos. I don't know what the deal is with that. I really would like some breakfast tacos for Tuesday. Um, and I would uh, I, I'd love to do it. Tuesday though. Is our weekly dive into the top three. Featuring Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He comes in 
every week to help us uh, discover, digest, uh, dissect <clears throat> uh, all the D words today. Uh, all these things that uh, we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about the increase in this budget, the out of control budget. I mean, it is, you know, we've increased the budget. They stuffed a back, a back a bunch of things that were taken out previously and uh, they're increasing it. They're still going to have a huge surplus. And yet still, we don't have, <laughs> we still do not have a full PFD. We still Still don't have a PFD, a full one, even though they are awash in money. And I mean, just no, no expectation that that's actually going to happen because why? Well, because you poor, poor, pitiful children, they understand better than you how that money should be spent. Don't you know? Shut up and sit down, children. Let your betters talk in the corner as they decide what you should do. Ah. So anyway, uh, that's uh, the big, the first big thing is we're going to talk about the out-of-control budget. Then we're going to talk about the cost of the Port of Anchorage or Port of Alaska or whatever we're calling it these days. The cost of redoing that, the cost on middle and lower income Alaskans. And then finally, we're going to talk about the fate of the campaign finance reform law. So that's... Uh, that's happening. That's going to be our three big topics today on the weekly top three with Bad Keith Lee from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He'll be joining us shortly to discuss those things. In hour two, we'll take some phone calls. Um, I actually just looked at the phone lines and realized somebody's been on hold for 12 minutes, which means they were on hold before the show even started. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm deciding whether or not to take that call before we go to the break here with Brad here in about 10 minutes. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens here. I'm I'm still pondering. Caller, if you want to hang out, you can. I may or may not take that phone call. Uh, but we're going to be talking, take some phone calls at the top of the hour, uh, hour two. And then we're going to get our weekly life coaching lesson from our friend, Chris Story, the man from home. He is the Tony Robbins of Alaska. He is the guru of positivity. So he's going to come in and join us for that as well in hour two. And then we'll finish things up. I, you know, Whatever we do at the final segment is what we do. Uh, but a few announcements. First and foremost, I just saw it come up in the chat room. Uh, Shriner's Onions are here a week early, according to my friend Jack Klaus. Shriner Onions here a week early. Come and get them. So look for wherever you... Uh, uh, look for wherever you'd find onions. I know it's at the temple there in Anchorage, down in Anchorage. Um, I don't know where they're going to be doing them in Fairbanks and uh, Wasilla and uh, down in Soldatna, but just keep an eye out. If you want your Shriner onions, and I know I get me a couple bags every year, um, you want to go out there and look at it early, of course, helping to benefit the Shriners, who in turn help benefit children across the state of Alaska. So we are grateful to them uh, for that as well. Um, second piece of information is that there is public testimony on SB 39 today at 1 p.m. Um, that is the ele uh, election integrity bill. It's in Senate finance today. They're going to be taking testimony starting at 1 p.m. And I've posted a, I've shared this up to my Facebook page if you want to go get the phone numbers. Uh, I'm going to blast through the phone numbers real quick. But if you want to go look them up, just go to facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. And uh, <clears throat> you can... Uh, 
You can uh, see the numbers there. If you're in Anchorage, it's uh, 907-563-9085. If you're anywhere else in the state, number to call to testify on SB 39, which is uh, Shower's Election Integrity Bill, is 844-586-9085. 844-586-9085. And this information is available up on the... uh, up on my Facebook page. Just go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show, and uh, you can get the numbers there as well. So, um, all right, some headlines. Uh, I'm just going to real quick, let me just get this phone call out of the way. I, I just, I I feel bad. Somebody's, I don't know why they've been hanging out that long, but let's go find out, see what the deal is. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, Buenos Dias is Brady from Las Vegas. Brady, what's up? Hey, um, I know that we are talking about the voting system and the voter rolls coming up all across the country right now. And the Eric voter rolls that were established by the Democrats, mostly George Soros, that in all the states that Trump barely lost by, the key states, there's eight of them in the United States, the Eric voter rolls were used to, with along with the ballot harvesting, which is going on in Alaska, to get rid of Trump. And if we don't get these Eric voter rolls with all the people's names on there exposed, I don't think there should be an election. Also, with the money that we are giving to Ukraine, the other $33 billion that's supposed to go to Ukraine right now, we need to have some guarantees from our government that they're going to provide us with fertilizer and wheat in exchange for the $33 billion. If we don't put something on that, we are screwed as a country. Okay. All right, Brady. Well, thank you for your call. I appreciate that. Um, that's not the direction I was going this morning, so we'll continue on with what I'm doing over here. All right. Thank you for your call. Um, all right. Uh, let's take a look. The biggest story in the country right now is uh, Politico's latest story, which apparently is a leaked uh, opinion from the Supreme Court. Now, this is surprising in a couple different ways. First and foremost, the Supreme Court is excruciatingly secretive in its process. It keeps things very tight to the vest until the actual day, normally. Uh, the deliberative process and everything else is normally kept very close to the vest until the day that they announce um, a uh, in, until they announce or publish an opinion. Well, Politico published a report late yesterday that shows that it is a draft opinion that the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, It is marked as a first draft opinion of the court, and it's been known many times that the the final word from the court, the opinions often change in big ways and small during that drafting process. This was a first draft. The opinion itself is not expected until June or July. Uh, But right now, uh, this first draft shows that... uh, in a six to three vote, um, the uh, uh, the uh, I'm sorry, no, not six to three. It's six to three my majority. Anyway, it looks like it's a five to four vote. I apologize, five to four vote that they are overturning Roe v. Wade. Now, there's no comment out of the court. They have refused to answer any questions or anything else. But like I said, this is a rare thing, and it has immediately stoked the home fires. Uh, people were already outside the Supreme Court last night protesting. This is going to reinvigorate the midterms. You're seeing the Democrats already come to come to play on it. The draft report basically says that they would overturn Roe v. Wade and make it uh, so that the states would be able to make their own 
decision on what would happen. The decision to overturn would lead the abortion, and and basically it would say that states would have the decision whether or not to make abortion legal or illegal. Uh, some states have already come out and said we're always going to be legal and it doesn't matter. Um, in California, New York specifically, many others, Oklahoma and others included, have already moved towards, again, uh, banning it. Um, to me, the timing on this is kind of um, <clears throat> is kind of odd um, and suspect, I guess I would say, based on what's going on. But uh, you know, it, this thing—I mean, even if it had come out in June and July—and this is not the final decision, so it may not—it may not be exactly this, but I imagine it's probably going to be close to this. Um, it was going to re-energize the midterms. Uh, this is what they were looking. I think this is what Democrats were maybe not hoping for, but they're going to make hay while the sun shines and maybe try and stop what they see as a red wave overturning the midterm elections. Um, and I think that that's probably what is probably what is happening is they, you know, this leak was put out there maybe as a way to help stir up the emotions of the Democratic base and get them motivated to go out there and actually vote. Because apparently that's one of their huge things. They believe that that's important. The murdering of babies is something that they want to fight for. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. Um, So go for it. Go for it. Uh, But that is the big news that is sucking all the oxygen out of the room today. Nothing else really is uh, is going on. Uh, I mean, this is literally the – it is the top 15 headlines on Drudge right now. And uh, even the ADN picked it up, got their piece from the uh, uh, got their piece from the uh, 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 was Washington Post, New York Times, Associated Press. Sorry, Associated Press. But yeah, they're never going to let a crisis go to waste. You can guarantee on that. That's going to happen as well. Um, but uh, so that's that's really the big headline for today. Uh, and, but that's outside. We can't really do anything about it, and we could speculate all we want. But it doesn't matter. All I could say is good, good. Okay, I'm I'm down with that. Um, wow, we're right up against the break already. Okay, so I guess I'm just going to shut my pie hole and we're going to jump into this here and move on to uh, other things and talk with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's up next right here, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We will kick things off with a weekly top three. Right after these messages, don't go anywhere. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, in the break right now, uh, going back, uh, let me get, uh, before I dive before I dive into all the comments, let me get, uh, let me get Brad on the line just to make sure that I'm, let me just make sure I got Brad ready to go. How about that? Let's do that right now. Okay. Things are a little strange. All right. Join uh, without. There you go. How about that? Okay. 
So I am. Oops, I'm entering the chat room now. Okay, so I think we're I think we're good to go. Hold on one second, and join okay, everybody. So there we go. Look at that. I can even hear myself in the background. That means Brad's got stuff. <laughs> Brad's, Brad's got stuff means going. I, means I haven't muted the uh, haven't muted the stream yet. Yeah. All right. There we go. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. You, my friend, you ready to go? I am. Good. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, we're going to uh, I'm going to go through some of the comments here in the chat room because I haven't talked about that yet. But um, man, what a time to be alive, huh? What a what a crazy crazy time at this point. Um, the, rest of, the rest of the year is going to be strange, Michael. I could not agree. I could not agree um, uh, more with that. So, all right, Brad, we'll hold the line. We're going to be right back to you. Let me go back to the chat room here and see what you guys have been talking about. Uh, after, let's see, I think I lost everything. I stopped reading after the comment about the onions. Uh, shrine onions are here. Mm, mm, love me some Shriner onions. Okay, Vidalia, sweet Vidalias. Uh, apparently, repealing Roe v. Wade is going to pass. The bloodthirsty demons are going to lose their mind. I don't think that's the right term, out of control. It's worse than that. I think he was talking about the budget. Do you have caller ID just in case? No, I don't. Why hasn't the money God Murkowski got us cash to replace the port dock? It's Homeland Security. <laughs> don't uh, don't tempt anybody. Um, onions, Vidalias. Yes. Where is Brad today? I missed it, says Paul. Nope, you're just about to experience it, Paul. Um, do you see? Did you see how quickly they set up barricades outside this? Yes, they did. Right outside the uh, Supreme Court. I mean, they had barricades and police and everything else up there, like Im- like immediately, if not sooner. Uh, Herman says nobody cares. The state's being destroyed anyway, so nobody cares about the Roe v. Wade thing. Okay. I mean, wow. Man, nihilism. Um, Don't let a crisis or anything go to waste, says Greg. That's pretty much true. Politicians in general are feeling that for sure. Uh, If abortion is a privacy issue, then why isn't the vaccine mandate? Why do I need a vax to keep my job? This has been an argument that we've been making for a long time around here. I mean, if privacy is privacy, then let's, you know, get ready for more Antifa, BLM riots. I imagine that there's going to be some people who are at, uh, really agitated about this. I don't know if it'll go to that length, but yeah. Did they finally agree to a PFD total, says Paul? Not that I have heard of, but Brad may have better insight into that than I have. I've been kind of out of the loop the last couple of days in some of that stuff. Um, um, let's see. When Governor Mike Dunleavy issued a proclamation that people can vote by mail with no ID, that put the final nail in the coffin. Uh, I mean, they still have to have a witness signature, so I don't know exactly, you know, then there's supposed to be an ID number on the ballots. Mine had one anyway. Uh, I did get my ballot in the mail yesterday as well, Greg. I got all the ballots for everybody in the household. Uh, Brad Keithley with his boomer connections. I don't know what that means. Apparently Brad's a boomer. No, he's not a boomer. He's not a boomer. Uh, where in Wasilla can we hand turn in our ballots? Um, if Rob is in the chat room, uh, he can hit us with that number. But you can basically take your ballots to any division of election office. Um, all right. There you go. Defunding. Uh, we're 30 seconds out. We're about to dive into it. Um, and we can uh, find that out. Uh, I will. Uh, Rob had a link. I can't I can't grab it right this second. But Rob Myers put up a link. Uh, of to all the places you could drop off your ballots to, which is what I'm going to do. We're going to collect all the ballots and go drop them off in person because the other one, you got to write all your information on the outside of the ballot, including your driver's license number and your last four of your social. I'm not real comfortable throwing that in the mail. Are you? 
out in the open where everybody can see? Yeah, me either. All right, here we go. Jumping into it. All right, you're ready to do it. Let's uh, let's dive into this with uh, our friend uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to get into the weekly top three here and start to go over things. Uh, he joins us today. Uh, first things first, we're going to talk about the out-of-control state budget and how it's gotten even larger. Uh, I mean, like, big-time larger. Brad Keithley joins us this morning live via Zoom. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you? You know, no complaints. I'm here above ground on the right side of the grass. That's more than you could ask for at this point. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about this. Uh, I know you sent me some stuff. We were talking back and forth a little bit on Sunday, uh, some of the numbers that were coming out, and it was a shocking the, I mean, and I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm not, this is not hyper, this is not hyperbole. This is like shocking the amount of money that we're talking about being in this budget without, still without a full PFD and uh, they have no problem spending it. Let's dive into that. Well, the budget process isn't over either. That's the, that's sort of the, uh, the scary part of all this. Uh, over the course of the last week, uh, some more budget numbers came in and I've uh, had a chance to total them up. Uh, over the weekend, and as of as of the last uh, update to legislative finances, uh, sort of running uh, recount of of what the various committees are doing, uh, UGF spending for FY twenty two uh, is up something like six hundred million dollars from the the governor's proposal. The governor's original proposal for FY twenty two was four point six billion dollars. Uh, now we're at something like five point $3 billion, I guess that's $700 million. Um, uh, and that doesn't count $5.3 billion. And that doesn't count uh, the $1.2 billion uh, for this being set aside for FY24 uh, K through 12, the so-called forward funding of uh, FY24 K through 12. So that's $600 million up for, uh, for FY23 uh, over the governor's proposal. But that's not the shocking one. To me, what really is the shocking one is what's going on with FY22, with the, with the supplemental for FY22. Right. When, you, when, when you get in a session, um, you're doing two budgets at the same time. One is you're doing the forward-looking budget for the next fiscal year, but you've also got the ability to add supplementals uh, to the prior years, to the current year's budget. Right, what you're going passed. through right now, right? The year right. that you're going through right now. Right, which was passed in the last legislative session. Usually, and and this is what you know, ledge finance does, and other budget analysts do. Usually, you think about the supplemental being in 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 the fifty million dollar range, um, and and you think about it for being things like, you know, uh, we've had we've had to fund disaster relief, sort of add supplementals to disaster relief over the last few years, as we've had fires right. and 
we've had to go out and hire and and have more people, more uh, activity around uh, around fire suppression. Or there's you know some bills came due that you didn't expect. You lost some lawsuits. Usually that's around fifty million dollars. This year, the FY twenty two supplemental, uh, as best I can calculate it at this point, is somewhere in the neighborhood of eight hundred million dollars. $500 million in supplementals for the operating budget um, and $300 million in supplementals for the, uh, for the uh, uh, capital budget. And, and it's things like uh, school bond reimbursement. Uh, you, you will recall that the last few years we have uh, uh, reduced uh, the amount of school bond reimbursement uh, uh, by uh, a given amount uh, each year. The, the state hasn't, quote, fully funded school bond reimbursement. Well, there's $280 million, almost $300 million in the FY22 budget, uh, the FY22 supplemental that looks like it's catch up for the past under, quote, underfunding of, uh, of school bond reimbursement. Uh, there is uh, $210 million between the FY22 and the FY23 supplemental, $210 million uh, for oil and gas tax credits. Some of that is due under the statute because of higher prices. But what the Senate has done is, is what Sarah Rasmussen in the House tried to do in House Finance, but got rejected on the House floor. What Senate Finance is doing is adding an additional amount, forward funding uh, oil and gas uh, tax credits. The REAA uh, trust fund, the, the, the fund that's used to support uh, REAA schools is, uh, has 84 million in the FY22 budget. Uh, extra retirement contributions, uh, that is uh, additional contributions to PERS and TERS uh, to sort of build up the fund is 89 million in the FY23 budget. Uh, $150 million in additional money for legislative services in the FY22 budget. It's, it's just sort of, I mean, just the list just goes on and on and on. And so you've got 800 million. Now, again, the typical supplemental is somewhere in the $50 million range. You've got $800 million in the FY22 supplemental. The, the, sort, of, the sort of amazing part of that is you got $800 million for additional spending, none for a supplemental PFD, none to try to bring the PFD even up to POMV 5050, much less. Uh, up to the up to the full uh, up to the full statutory level, so the, the the spending is is sort of just rolling on. They're spending on top of spending on top of spending, and it's not being covered very well uh, in the in the mainstream media. You don't see you don't see an article analyzing it in the ADN. You don't see it in the Fairbanks Newsminer, the Juno Empire. You don't even see it on Must Read. Frankly, it's just it's just piling up. There's one other way that that is just sort of shocking in the. The FY22 uh, uh, budget now has, the FY22 supplemental has $320 million in additional uh, capital budget, the uh, supplemental capital budget. The FY23 uh, budget now has $380 million in capital budget. Last week, uh, uh, the Transportation Committee, the Senate, uh, the Senate Transportation Committee, voted out a GO bond, a general obligation bond bill that has another $380 million on top of that. So we're, we're talking about in one year between what, they what they're shoving into FY22 
what's now an FY23 as they increase the capital budget in FY23 and a GO bond that adds additional bond, general obligation bond that adds additional money. We're talking about a billion dollars in, in capital spending being authorized um, in one year. That's on top of whatever you know the federal government uh, is is bringing to us uh, uh, in 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 terms of capital spending. On in addition to that, so you know if if all of this goes through, if the if the FY twenty two supplemental stays as it currently is, or you know maybe grows, the FY twenty three stays as it currently is. If the GO bond is passed out of the legislature and ultimately passed by uh, uh, the the population uh, by voters. We've got a heck of a lot of, of capital money that's uh, that's that's about to hit the state. So it's spending. It, it, it had been quiet on the spending front, frankly, right. uh, uh, up to uh, up to about the last week. But now it's just uh, now just exploding. And as I said, uh, we're not. We still don't have either an operating budget or a capital budget out of out of the Senate. Uh, right. Not even out of Senate finance. They're not even on the floor. So we may not be finished with this yet. Um, all of this additional spending, a billion four in additional spending between FY22 uh, and FY23, plus 300 million, three, nearly $400 million in the GO bond, and no additional PFD uh, in either FY22 or uh, FY23. And this doesn't even address, even after all that spending, the additional monies that are going to be surplus over this year and maybe next year. Uh, based on the uh, based on the revenue, I mean, so we're spending what we have like drunken sailors. We're going to have a bunch of money left over on top of that, and still no statutory PFD, no back PFD, nothing like that. Everything else gets taken care of, but forget about the money that it belongs to the people. Yeah, the, the one the one thing that really you know really irritates in that regard is going back uh, and truing up. Uh, the school bond reimbursement. I mean, that's what they're clearly doing. When you look at when you look at those dollars, what they're clearly doing is they're going back and 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 they're going to distribute money back to the school district or back to the you know, school districts uh, or the municipalities for uh, for past uh, school bond uh, reimbursement. They're they're paying that back. Not even, but not even, not even a mention. And of uh, trying to even get you know the FY22 or the FY23 PFD uh, to match up uh, match up to statute. Right. Um, this is <clears throat> well, it's the definition of insanity at this point. The amount of money that we're talking about being pushed out there for all these things, um, and no discussion on this. And and as you said, I mean, it's an election year, Brad. What's the first thing they want to do? They want to make sure that they forward fund all those school bonds so that people can't say that they didn't support the, this and the, that. They forward funded $1.2 billion for schools uh, and everything else. I mean, it's literally, it seems like the smorgasbord of, uh, of options for those that are looking to get reelected at this point. Yeah, and it's all coming at the expense. I mean, it's being funded in large part through PFD cuts from, from, from the statutory level. It's coming at the expense of middle and lower income Alaska families. And it's just, you know, it's just irritating. It's irritating to see this additional spending after what we've just been through the last decade. I mean, come on, did we not learn any lessons from the last decade? Right. It's irritating to see all this additional spending. But then on top of that, it's irritating, irritating to see that, you know, it's coming at the expense of middle and lower income Alaska families through continued PFD cuts. 
Well, speaking of lower income and middle Alaskan families being affected, that actually leads us over to number two. Give us a quick tease for number two, the port of Anchorage. I mean, Alaska. I mean, Anchorage. I mean, whatever we're calling it these days. Whatever it takes to get funding for it. Um, So the ADN had an op-ed by the editorial board uh, over the weekend about the port, arguing uh, that that there should be additional funding for the port and... uh, and uh, essentially uh, saying why all of the excuses about additional funding should should be ignored and we should uh, fund you know we should fund the additional port what i want to focus on uh, is where that money's coming from what the adn argued how the adn argued uh, that the uh, that the that the port funding ought to be that the port ought to be funded and i think that's uh, I, uh, another uh, uh, very uh, concerning thing uh, the adn is a uh, Proving again that they really don't care about middle and lower income Alaska families. We'll talk about that in the next segment. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We are going to continue here with him in just a moment. We're going to try and get through number two and then on to number three, which is campaign finance reform. Uh, You want to join us in the chat room? Now's the time to do it. Uh, Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show slash live. Probably the easiest way to get there. Or just go to my Facebook page and click on the live video there. We'll be commenting and talking with Brad during the break. And we'll be back with more on number two of the weekly top three, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American radio. In the break right now, uh, shameless bribery. That's what uh, that's what uh, Brian says, and uh, I would not disagree with that. I mean, to me, this is very much geared towards these people being able to go out there and tell their constituencies, "Oh, look what I did for you! I protected you from having to pay back these school bonds, which you were always on the hook for, and the state was never guaranteed to pay, and now we can do it on top of that." Um, and of course all these capital projects too, that we're going to bring to your communities. And I mean, a billion dollars spent, uh, on this kind of stuff, plus another 300 plus million dollars for the reimbursement of the school bond issues. And yet not a single extra dollar going towards past or future PFDs in that regard. It is, well, I mean, it, again, I think you said frustrating, irritating. I don't know what, what we want to use, but it is definitely all of those things, Brad. Well, it's it's a it, it's an indication that the legislature is there. It, it, there's a there's a divide between government and the people of Alaska, and the legislature is there to look out for government and to look out for government services and the constituencies that are tied uh, to government services. Um, and they and and they really don't care uh, about middle and lower income Alaska families who are the ones that are ending up paying for this. Uh, through uh, through PFD cuts, it's uh, it, it is sort of staggering in 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 the scope as you sort of go through these projects and see what they're spending it on. I mean, oil and gas forward funding, oil and gas tax credits. I mean, I, I'm one of the I'm one of the historically been one of the staunchest defenders of of uh, the oil industry and the need to play fair with the oil industry. But forward funding, oil and gas tax credits. That's just. I, I just I don't know what to say about that. That's just that's just carrying over the edge. They got all the money, um, and, and 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 all of these, all of the supplement. When you go through the supplemental, the eight hundred million in the supplementals. When you go through the six hundred million in the 
in the additional uh, spending that uh, is being added over the governor's budget in FY23. It's just, you know, it's project after project, spending after spending after spending. And it's not, it's not, I mean, some people say, oh, it's just more entitlement programs. No, there's not, there's not, uh, there's not a Medicaid expansion in the bunch. Right. <laughs> it's, it is, it is projects that are for uh, specific groups of Alaskans, specific constituencies that they've been down there lobbying for. Uh, and they've been able to convince the legislature uh, of their case. So this is actually kind of a win for corporate cronyism, right? I mean, businesses that have built their business model around government contracts, uh, whether that's telecom, whether that's construction, whether that's whatever, they've been down there lobbying hard to get these monies to get out there because they're dependent on it. And somebody said, okay, we'll give it to you at this point. Am I am I off base? You, no, you're on base. And then I would add on top of that, municipalities, local governments who are down there lobbying for things like uh, like school bond reimbursement. Right. I mean, it's, it, it, they, they are another segment of, of, of industry, of the lobbying industry down there trying to you know, look out for themselves. And everybody will say, all of them will say, oh, well, this is in the state's best interest. It's in the base, best interest of us to come current on oil and gas tax funding or oil and gas tax credits. It's in the best interest of the state to for us to pay back all these, uh, all the uh, school bond reimbursements in the best interest of the state to do this or do that. It's in the best interest of a segment of the state. Uh, it's in the best interest of a group uh, of uh, a part of the state. But, you know, you add all this stuff up and, and we've just spent a heck of a lot of money satisfying a lot of constituencies and leaving, as, I, as, as you and I have both said, leaving middle and lower income Alaska families out in the cold. Right. Well, and again, this goes back to a lot of companies, which we have named previously on this program, including GCI and others in the telecom industry and the uh, AGCA and some of these other big uh, associated, you know, general contractors and, and other businesses who have built an entire business model up around a dependency on government spending. And they are more than willing to exercise and expend lots of dollars to convince legislators and the public that those monies are necessary for the state to move forward, not to mention to keep their companies afloat. <laughs> well, exactly right, Michael. And, and this is, this is the time that, you know, we're, we're flush with money, oil prices are up. So we've got all this oil revenue and this is the time that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, not only, not only get themselves well from the past, but to make themselves well going forward in terms of, forward funding of K through 12 and reimbursement of school bonds and forward funding oil and gas tax credits. It's, it's the time that they're trying to, you know, that they're trying to, you know, carve off as much for themselves as, as they can. Right. And, you know, and, and so their argument is if I don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. So I might as well do it. Right. Right. Uh, as part of this. Well, and special interests win again, which seems to be the common thread around here at this point. Uh, they always seem to be the winners, and the people, especially lower and middle income Alaskans, are the losers in in the deal. And it's all going towards, as Don Ardwin says in the chat room, a long term plan to eliminate the PFD. I can see that already. Handwriting on the wall, folks. We're about to rejoin the radio. Please like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Let's continue. Brad Keithley's our guest. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio.
All right, we continue now with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, Big editorial in the ADN. The title of that editorial is Lawmakers are happy to fight for a big PFD, but what's that attitude when it comes to the Port of Alaska? Uh, And yet it seems like the outcome still is the same, that uh, the lower-income, lower- and middle-income Alaskans are going to be biting a harder bullet when it comes to this. Brad, give us your take on uh, what's going on with the Port of Alaska, Port of Anchorage, and uh, and the fight over the PFD. So this entire editorial, and it's uh, dated April 30th, so it came out uh, over the weekend. This entire editorial is focused on uh, setting up the PFD against the Port of Alaska and making the argument that the Port of Alaska is more important uh, than the PFD. And so anybody who's fighting for the PF, it, when, you, when you think about the PFD, you ought to be putting the port first and you ought to be, you know, prioritize spending for the port uh, over the PFD. There are good arguments for, for spending for the port. I mean, a huge amount of Alaska's goods, imported goods come through the port. Uh, they're distributed throughout the state. There are arguments for why we should uh, 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 maintain the port. Uh, and the municipality has a good argument for why that in part, part of that uh, should, be, should be the state's responsibility. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want, I don't want to use this segment to argue about, about port funding. It's where the funding comes from that I think is, that I think is the, is the, is the core of the problem. This editorial doesn't mention at all using equitable methods to, to pay for the port, using methods that all Alaska families uh, would contribute to, using methods that either uh, uh, have some sort of broad-based uh, tax to them, uh, or some other form of funding that would involve all Alaska families contributing to the, toward the cost. The entire editorial is focused on uh, cutting the PFD, arguing that we shouldn't be paying a P- big PFD, which is now defined as POMB 5050, uh, which is a, a third less than, uh, than, the, uh, than the statutory PFD. Um, we shouldn't be paying this big PFD uh, when we when we ought to be funding the port, and the consequence, I mean, what they're trying to do is if you if you fund the port through PFD cuts, which is what they're arguing, that pushes the burden. The people who are going to be paying for the port are middle and lower income Alaska families. The top twenty percent will be paying a trivial share of their income, and and in fact, a trivial share of the overall costs. Uh, in, 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 in meeting that $600 uh, uh, funding, to the, funding to the port uh, uh, as part of, if you, if you do it through PFD cuts. So once again, once again, the ADN editorial board is out there arguing that middle and lower income Alaska families, 80% of Alaska families ought to be paying for the, ought to be paying the bulk of the costs while the top 20% uh, uh, get by with uh, just a just a trivial share of the cost, and I and I think that's I think that's just outrageous. The fact that the editorial didn't mention at all that there that there that, that even consider that there should be other more equitable funding mechanisms, I think is just a I think it's just a, a horrible uh, uh, sign on their part that uh, that they're just you know they just want to take it out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families and. And let the top twenty percent escape. Let, let the uh, 
let uh, let the the owners of the ADN and others in the top twenty percent escape. Uh, somebody in the chat room just said, "I thought the funding for the port was coming from the infrastructure money, but this is none of that is appearing at this point. This is all talking about strictly state funding at this point. They have to compete for infrastructure money." Um, and and the editorial does a good job, frankly, of, of dealing with that issue and saying that it was going to come from, uh, you know, that it, that, it, that it was going to come from infrastructure money. Part of it may come from infrastructure money, uh, but the but the port has to compete for it. And what they want the state to do is to is to come up with the funding um, uh, in the in advance uh, in the in the event that they don't get the additional federal funding. And the and the article and the and the and the editorial makes a good makes a valid point that even if they do get federal funding, it may not be to the extent necessary to uh, to uh, complete the port, um, and so they're going to need additional funding in any event. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. We're talking about the weekly top three. Uh, Brad, this whole thing uh, is is frustrating on many uh, many. Uh, levels for me personally, because again, I live in the Matsu. We've seen that the port of Matsu is a deep water port there at Point McKenzie. It could help lighten, it could help split that burden, lighten the burden. If we had a railhead there, it would help develop and drill that stuff to the other state. But it seems like we keep putting all of our eggs in one basket, so to speak. And, and that's leading to, I think, some, I I think some real challenges uh, at this point. Um, What say you? Well, Michael, I I don't argue with that. Uh, I, I, yes, we could we could do Matsu, but again, it's all about funding. How are we going to pay for Matsu? How are we going to pay for the rail extension? How are we going to pay for whatever upgrades would need to be done? Uh, <coughs> excuse me, at at, at Matsu, it, it it the the the, the knee knee jerk reflexive action that the ADN editorial takes and others take is well, we'll just take it out of the PFD. I mean, P, PFDs, you know, that's just slush. Slush fund money is just you know going out there uh, to you know to Alaska families. We'll just take it out of the PFD. It's a tax. When you take it out of the PFD, it's a tax primarily on middle and lower income Alaska families. It's a regressive tax that takes the most as a share of income, increasingly from middle income and then lower income um, Alaska families. So yes, we can argue about whether Matsu ought to bear some of the burden. We can argue whether you know Anchorage's should have. We, we should just bolster up Anchorage, which is which has been the traditional point. We can argue about whether the rail extension, but the question, the ultimate question is whatever we do in terms of that spending, who's going to pay for it? And the fact that they're using the PFD, the fact that the, that the go-to slush fund now is the PFD <clears throat> means that middle and lower income Alaska families are paying for it, regardless, statewide. I mean, right. you got you got you got people in Nome with with PFD cuts. You got people in Bethel. You got people in uh, in, uh, in, in Barrow, you got people in Toke uh, that are going to be contributing to these middle and lower income Alaska families in those communities uh, that are going to be contributing through uh, through PFD cuts. So, I, yes, we can argue about whether it ought to be the Matt Support, the rail extension, uh, Anchorage. We can argue about all that. But, but the, the question big, yeah. to me is who's going to pay for it? The biggest argument is where is the money coming from? And it seems like it always goes back to the piggy bank being the PFD, which again goes back to the comment earlier from Don Ardwin, who said this is all part and parcel of the plan to basically eliminate the PFD and let them use it to spend however they want. Yep, uh, the the top twenty percent are on a roll. They're gonna they're gonna do as much as they can to uh, right uh, to to fund the state through uh, through PFD cuts. 
All right. Well, let's move on to number three. Uh, We actually made it to number three today, which is a discussion on what you consider to be one of the biggest uh, issues that we should be facing before the end of the session, although it doesn't seem to be getting a lot of love, and that is campaign finance reform. Campaign finance reform has gotten out of the House. It's over in the Senate. Uh, it's, I think it's still in Senate state affairs. I think they have a hearing uh, on it this week. So it's, it's one of those that has a chance to make it before the end of the session. To me, if somebody said, you know, what's your, what's your top three priorities, campaign finance reform would be one of those top three priorities. I think we're facing an elect without campaign finance limits. I think uh, we're facing an election uh, cycle this year where we're going to have just huge amounts of money. And if the Republicans think it's all going to go to their side, they're just absolutely mistaken. If the Democrats think it's all going to go to their side, they're absolutely mistaken. It's just going to be a huge amount of money come into the state. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, if the if the if the news uh, over the last day is is a correct representation of what's going to happen when the Supreme Court rules on it, we're going to have a wild election season. Uh, the whole con-con debate is going to turn into pro-life and pro-choice uh, because you know we've got the right to privacy provision in the current Alaska Constitution, and the and the pro-life people are going to push a constitutional convention to to wipe that out, not trusting that they're going to be able to get a, a, an amendment out of the uh, out of the uh, out of the legislature. So it's it's a it, we are facing a wild election season in which Alaskans don't control the outcome because it's going to be a huge amount of money coming in from outside. I think I think a, a very important thing that this legislature needs to do before it goes home is enact co- campaign finance reform. I think a very important thing for this governor to do before he goes home uh, is enact campaign well, finance reform. And I think everybody's going to rue the day if they don't do it. Well, and and explain why. I mean, the, the specific problem with the campaign finance reform at, at, uh, reform at this point is the fact that we now currently have unlimited amounts, unlimited contribution limits. I mean, there is basically, you can give anything to anyone, any race, any candidate. I mean, that's, that's the problem right now. We could become the dumping ground for, uh, uh, you know, the so-called dark money from outside and everything else. You got about a minute here. Well, absolutely right. I mean, with, with unlimited restrictions, the the pro-life movement, again, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, the pro-life movement is going to come in in support of Les Guerra. A lot of money coming in in support of Les Guerra. Governor Dunleavy, you know, the Republicans think that the campaign unlimited financing works to their benefit. It doesn't. We saw that on on Prop One uh, in the in the last uh, in the last election cycle, the the ranked choice voting. We're going to see a lot of outside progressive money come into this state. Uh, if Roe versus Wade is, is overturned. We need to have limits so that Alaskans are able to decide uh, Alaska elections as opposed to a, a ton of outside money uh, coming in to decide them. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, Brad, we appreciate you coming on board here this morning. Um, not a lot of great news. Thanks for being such a Debbie Upper on this one. I really appreciate it. Uh, but uh, we look forward to hearing more about this. What are you watching? Quickly, 20 seconds here. What are you watching this week? Uh, The budget uh, and SB 199, the PFD bill, the Senate's PFD bill that didn't go on the floor last week uh, and uh, is still uh, sitting out there to go on the floor in these last two weeks. All right. Well, Brad, thank you so much for coming on board. We appreciate it. 
Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we're out of time for this. We got more coming up. Hour two dead ahead. Chris Story, open line, phone calls. We'll be back. Oh, I can't imagine. We watched what happened with ballot measure number two. We watched this. Well, I mean, let's face it. We, we've been seeing this. This is a pattern. Uh, ballot measure number two. They spent about seven million dollars to get people to pay attention to that and to uh, and to and to vote in favor of that. A lot of people didn't even know after they'd voted what they'd actually voted for. Uh, we saw it during the debate on um, on uh, um, Prop One. We saw you know millions of dollars being poured into that. We saw it in previous bills uh, that tell that when GCI spent four or five million dollars to get the POMV changed and all these other things. We've seen the influence, the outsized influence that millions of dollars can have on Alaskans and not having any contribution limit on that or on candidate contributions could, and, and on top of that, add the ballot measure two stuff and the rank choice. And I, I mean, this could just be, un, it could be unbelievable. This could be the like the, the of a lifetime, could be something of a lifetime at this point. The real beneficiaries of it are going to be the TV stations and the newspapers and the and the and the people who print the flyers that 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 come in your mail. That's that's going to be where a lot of this money goes. Uh, but Alaskans are going to be inundated with it. And and what's really what I what I can't emphasize enough for those that think they're going to have the advantage by unlimited financing. By you know, if the Republicans think they're going to have the advantage by unlimited financing, they aren't. If the, if the Democrats think they're going to have an advantage by unlimited financing, they aren't. The losers are going to be Alaskans who have all of this money coming at them, all of these messages uh, coming at them, and sort of lose control of their own election. We, be, we, become, we become sort of the, 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 the battleground for, again, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, we, we become sort of the battleground for you know, national, national elections and people who, you know, Alaska is a cheap date. You and I have talked about this a lot. It's cheap to advertise here relative to elsewhere in the country. Um, people will, will, will come in and, and use that money to try to influence the Senate election. They'll come in and try to influence the governor's election. They'll come in to try to influence the constitutional uh, convention uh, uh, voting. Uh, we're just going to have a huge amount of money. We need to get it under control. The irony of this is the federal election, the Senate race itself, will be subject to those limits, will be subject to federal uh, limits on uh, campaign contributions. Right. But the state races won't. And 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 we're going to see an unlimited, an, a huge amount of money come into the state races, frankly, trying to indirectly influence the Senate race. It's just going to be a nightmare. And, and, and the one way to get it under control is to put campaign finance limits back in place. There's a bill in front of state Senate affairs to do it. I hope they I hope they get it out and I hope they reconcile any issues uh, with the House uh, before before the end of the session or else we're just going to we're going to be talking about this for years to come. How, you know, money flooded Alaska in 2022. Uh, State Senator Rob Meyer says in uh, on YouTube, he says SB 199 hits the Senate floor today. So you'll be watching and looking for that today and we'll be uh, we'll be seeing where it goes. 199, of course, is the. 7525 bill starts out at 5050 but then you got to come up with 800 million in revenue 
I'm going to be interested to watch to see what the amendments to that bill are going to be because that's where the rubber is going to meet the road. What can they get amended on the floor? Because this is an unusual bill coming out of a committee without enough votes to get it passed. Usually they don't pass it out unless they've counted heads. Uh, and this is this is going to be the fight of the year, I think, right here on this bill. It's going to it's going to be an interesting bill, and uh, and of course it still has to go over to the House side if if anything passes today. I mean, if I had to if I had to bet, I'm not sure that anything would pass uh, on this bill. It may get a lot of amendments, and and it ultimately may uh, may just end up not getting enough votes to pass. But yep, it'll be it'll be something important to watch. Well, that wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, if it doesn't get enough votes to pass, that's not a bad thing. If it gets amended properly so that they take down the ridiculous $800 million amount if they change the length of the 50-50 split, if they do. I mean, there's. but again, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, whether it passes or not, this is still just a statutory change. They could still just, <laughs> at their convenience, ignore it and go, well, you know, it's just a, we got a conflicting, well, we got to do what we got to do, you know. Uh, I mean, that's the long and the short of it, right? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, um, we're watching that. We're also watching SB 39, which is coming up for testimony today as well in Senate finance. Uh, a lot of moving parts here as we come down to the last two weeks. Everybody's saying that uh, Bert Stedman and company want to be out of there before the end of the actual session. Uh, no idea yet what the governor's going to veto. Um, I mean, we just have, I mean, $600 million over his, over his proposed budget, plus all this other forward funding stuff. I don't think he has any impetus to really wield the veto pen unless, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't read his mind at this point. What do, what do you say here plus, in the last minute? Plus 800, plus 800 million in FY22 supplements. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's just a, just a, a, a tsunami of, of spending that's, uh, that's getting stacked up here. I, I would not be a want, I would not want to be running for governor as a conservative if I don't veto a heck of a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's going to, he's going to upset Certain constituencies who otherwise, you know, thought they'd lobbied through a lot, they'd played the game and lobbied through their money. But gosh, as a conservative, if you're running out there uh, with, uh, you know, with having signed bills for $800 million on FY22 supplemental and $600 million above your above your proposal on FY23, I don't think I don't think you're going to be running as much of a conservative. The real beneficiary that's probably going to be Charlie Pierce, who uh, who can say, "Boy, I'd never do that." And, right. And right. You know, and 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 sort of become the mainstream conservative candidate while the governor's stuck out there having become the crony capitalist. Candidate. Yeah, no, he's going to have to really step up the plate. I mean, if he doesn't if he doesn't veto a substantial number of these increases, um, I think his uh, you know, he, he he's not going to be as uh, as uh, relative or as uh, uh, he's not going to he's not going to make it. All right. Uh, Brad, thank you so much for coming on board. We appreciate it. We got to go. Uh, thanks for coming on the program this morning. Mike, Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we got to go. We're about to uh, jump into this. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement. 
is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator uh, on the web, by the way, at MichaelDukeShow.com. If you want to go over there, you can find the podcast. You can find the uh, uh, the links, uh, all the stations that we are attached to, uh, everything else. Go out there and uh, and get everything you can, including links to our Facebook page and more. We appreciate you guys coming in and being part of it. Uh, you guys all ready to uh, to to jump in and uh, to discuss these things? Well, we're going to open up the phone lines now for this segment, and uh, we're going to uh, see what you guys have to say on this and anything else that we've covered this morning, including this discussion on uh, what, what any of the top three that Brad and I were just talking about, including campaign contributions and more, and I think maybe even a little bit of a discussion about uh, voter registration. There's some interesting... Uh, there's there's some interesting comments uh, on uh, on this in a piece that James Brooks wrote yesterday, uh, talking about Alaskan having 106 percent of voter registration rate, which is actually even low. It's closer to 113 percent of voter registration. Uh, we could talk about that as well. Coming up in just a bit, we're going to be discussing uh, a little bit more of an uplifting topic. Uh, with our uh, uplift guru, with our life coach, and uh, the the guru of positivity, that would be Christopher Story from my adopted hometown of Homer. He's going to be with us, and we will talk with him about that here uh, in just a little bit. Meanwhile, phone lines are open, so let's uh, let's get into that, shall we? Four three three thirty one fifty four three 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 one five zero is the Pivotel call-in line. If you would like to be part of it, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, feel free to come on board and uh, chat with us. And uh, let's uh, let's 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 just do our thing, shall we? Shall we just get into it and uh, and talk about it and and see what you have to say? Uh, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on all the things that are uh, that are going on around there. Feel free to give us a call. And uh, and uh, give us a shout again at 907-433-3150 if you would like to uh, call in and, and uh, let your voice be heard on that um, or really kind of any of the things that we've uh, talked about this morning. Uh, the Alaska Division of Elections mailed out 560,000 ballots last Wednesday. That was uh, their edict. Now, according to the list, the records list, the state has 586,000 registered voters in the state of Alaska, but that there are only 552,000 people living in the state who are of voting age. That's a registration of 106,000. But if you subtract the non-citizens, convicted felons, those who are ineligible to vote, it was 113,000 percent. Excuse me. It was 113 percent, not 113,000. It was 113 percent 
of the uh, of the 2022 election voting estimate. That's huge. But I learned some things in reading this article that I didn't know before. Interestingly enough, state law allows people to stay registered when they move away from the state of Alaska as long as they have the intent of returning to Alaska and don't register to vote anywhere else. I mean, they could be outside for 10 years, 15 years. And still, as long as they don't vote, register to vote anywhere else, they can still uh, they could still be registered in the state. of. I mean, I, I have some crazy stuff in here, things that we could talk about. Uh, meanwhile, let's go to the phones. We've got a couple lines on hold, so we'll start off over there this morning and see what you guys have to say. First, before we dive into this with Chris Story, I love taking some calls. Let's uh, jump into it. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Mike. It's Lee out of Denali. Hello, Lee. What's on your mind, friend? What's on your mind, friend? Well, brother, man, you got a real good topic this morning uh, with regard to external finance coming in to influence state elections. And keep in mind, you have to go back and look at the legislative body that actually approved the removal of the safeguards we had in place. In other words, they intentionally removed the safeguards to allow this uh, so-called black money to roll into the state. In other words, it keeps the status quo the way that the national party leadership in D.C. wants it to be. And anybody that believes that your homegrown person that's running for either Republican or Democratic seats do not have trace money going back to D.C. would be completely wrong. That also goes to show how our inept Republican Party leadership in this state have allowed themselves to be taken over by the money barons inside of the Beltway in D.C. So by all means, keep talking this up, man. You're on to something, and I truly hope that the Senate, which I must admit I very seriously doubt they take up and, and approve anything, but there's hope that they might actually take it up if enough people get on the phones and start demanding that they have some accountability. Well, I mean, I, I I hope so. I mean, we need to be we need to be watching these uh, we need to be watching these uh, uh, these scoundrels out there. And again, with unlimited funds that goes uh, you know that go into this that could go into this potentially, I mean, it is I mean, it's a hot mess at this point. I mean, it is it is definitely something that we need to be keeping an eye on at every turn. And uh, and I I mean well, I agree one, with you. One of the best examples is with the uh, previous run by an out-of-state person who, of course, grew up here purportedly in Alaska but went on to make his fortune elsewhere. There was $20 million tied into his campaign against Sullivan, and nobody even blinked an eye at it because it was 95% external to the state funded. So if people think that there's some sort of free ride here where mom and pops are contributing and, and their favorite candidate gets in. That's just a moronic view to take when it's our state future that is really being pondered and, and basically thrown into the garbage can when we allow these external entities to, to capitalize on the naivete of the voting population in this state, especially when the legislative body allows our safeguards to be thrown out under yeah. their watch. No, absolutely. Yeah, man, thanks for uh, keeping things going. Appreciate it, Lee. Thank you for your call. Let's uh, continue ahead on to the next caller here. Uh, good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Mike. This is Jeremy in Tassilop, Alaska. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning. 
What's on your mind? Are we live? We're, 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 you're on the air right now talking, my friend. What's on your mind? Okay, well, I just wanted to throw my support behind Sarah Palin because, you know, when Obama got elected in 2007 and continued all the wars and then the Ron Paul revolution and the Tea Party movement was going on, and Sarah Palin was uh, very uh, invested in getting people like Senator Rand Paul and uh, Justin Amash and Mike Lee and a lot of those other Tea Party cats that are in our Congress. And so uh, I think she gets my vote just based on that. Okay. I mean, and that's good. Any concerns about anything that's happened since then? I mean, that was uh, that was 2010 when the Tea Party came into existence. That's been 12 years ago. Nothing has changed your mind on that? No other candidate stands out on that? Well, I think I like Nick Beggett, but, you know, with that last name, he, he has the far hill to climb, but sure. I think... Uh, I think Sarah would do an excellent job at representing Alaska in Congress. I mean, she's a grab the bull by the horns type of woman. You know what I mean? Right. We right. need more of those in Congress. All right. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for your call. I appreciate uh, appreciate you calling in and uh, joining us. Um, four three three thirty one fifty. The Pivotel call in line. We're listening to what you have to say this morning on everything that's going on. I mean, yeah, explaining to my kids last night as they opened up their ballots and they're like, "Wow!" And I'm like, "Yeah, this is what we've been talking about. Forty eight candidates. <laughs> wow." <laughs> Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Ken from North Pole. Hello, Ken. Hey, uh, I was just listening to your uh, first segment, and I was thinking that this is why the CONCON is so absolutely important, because it's really becoming apparent that the legislature doesn't really care about what the people think or about the will of the people. They seem pretty content to just do whatever they want. And so uh, until we change the Constitution and take the power of the PFD or any control of the PFD away from the legislature, they're going to just continue to do what they want because that's their funding. That's all their power. They don't have to listen to anything else. Right. Well, I mean, again, this goes right back, Ken, to what I've said for a long time is the politician's disease, right? The politicians and the bureaucrats' disease is somehow they know better than you how all that money should be spent. I mean, the minute that they got elected, the minute that they got appointed, the minute that the bureaucrat got hired, he's some kind of expert and can somehow – see everything he's you know got a little bit of omniscience or something and he can understand the big picture better than we can um at our little you know peon local level uh as to how those money should be spent they don't want to be bothered by us they've made the decisions and they know that's kind of the overall that's kind of the overall feel the only fear that i have with a con that the only fear that i have with a con con 
is that it could potentially be hijacked. And what Brad was just talking about with, of course, the potential now, the real potential for Roe v. Wade to be overturned, is that they could pour a ton of money into the Constitutional Convention to sway or create delegates or get somebody in there to do something you know, more dastardly. And that would be problematic as well. But go ahead. Well, it would be problematic. But unfortunately, I mean, we're already there with, with the problems. If we do nothing, um, the problems are just going to get worse. You know, the, the legislature, when they, uh, with, when they have control of the PFD, that's all they need because they can direct that money to the unions, to their different uh, special needs groups, different uh, special interests, I should say, um, and that will control their reelection. I mean, those are the groups that kick in the most money to their campaigns, and so they don't have to worry about what the people want or the will of the people because they've just guaranteed their reelection with those campaign funds um, from the special interests because they're directing the PFD to their pet projects. Right. No, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's what we were just talking about in this last, um, uh, in this last, uh, uh, a segment with Brad was this is all about, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, paying off the school bond issues, whether it's, uh, you know, kowtowing to the unions. We talked yesterday about Josh Revac trying to force HB 55. He pulled a Rule 48 on the floor of the Senate uh, and got some Democrats to support him to pull that uh, defined benefits program for the firefighters and the and the first responders to come out. That's a, that's a play to get union support in those kind of things. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing more and more of these political maneuvers. Oh, absolutely, because that's where all their power is. And I think we have to have a constitutional convention to take that, to take any control of those monies away from the legislature, because while they have it, that that takes all the air out of everything else. Right. Nothing else happens. It's all about the PFD and all about how much they can take. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, you calling in and joining us. Thank you for sounding off, Ken. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks, we're uh, up against the break, actually. Chris Story is going to be joining us in just a hot minute, and then we will be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll get our weekly uplift here on the other side, and then we'll open up the phone lines after that for more open line, open forum. If you want to talk about the candidates that you support, feel free to call in, and we'll talk about that for the big special congressional race we'll return in just a moment don't go anywhere we're broadcasting live through a series of tubes allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet well it's kind of hard to explain sorry Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now, uh, getting ready to uh, take that call from Chris Story this morning. Uh, Let me go back out here. Does it make more sense for the ranked choice voting to be in the primary? Only the general should be the one vote for the candidate of your choice. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe you, you, what you're saying, using ranked choice for the primary and rank all 48 candidates down to the top four and then have those top four be the one vote at the end? Is that what you're saying? Um, 
I mean, it could work that way. I don't know if it would be any better. Herman says, so crappy, although he doesn't say crappy. Sarah gives us a full PFD and an energy rebate. Even President Trump supports her. But here in Alaska, we have radio stations that do a hit jobs on her. The one that can help us. Um, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a hit job. Um, I don't know of anybody who's a hit job. Jeremy just said he supported her. Um, just because she may not be a candidate that I would choose to support doesn't say that it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to support her, Herman. Um, and just because maybe I believe another candidate would do a better job does not mean that I think that she's not a good person and that I won't vote for her in the ranked choice portion of it. So I don't know, you know, <clears throat> I don't know what you're going on and on about, but, uh, you know, uh, oh, I, I, you, you did a hit job on her. I just pointed out her flaws. I don't know if that's a hit job or not. I pointed out some of the reasons why I would not support her in a primary, but I would support her, like I said before, if she was on the ranked choice card, I'm going to rank her for sure. Um, but, you know, you, you when you get your own radio show, you can put up whoever you want to talk about. And uh, and you can run down whoever else you don't want to talk about. That's part of the that's part of the gig, man. That's part of how it is. Uh, please tell your next guest to leave sorcery like Harry Potter books out of the discussion. Demonic. Okay. All right. Whatever you say, man. You're rapidly approaching the fringe element at this point, Herman. <clears throat> I'll be honest with you. Rapidly approaching the fringe element. Um. All right. Uh. Let's see. Um, Sarah Panlin is actually supposed to be on the air at 9.07 a.m. on KSRM down in the peninsula. So if you're down in the peninsula, you should be able to listen to Sarah Palin this morning. I might actually even tune in if they stream it. I might tune in just to hear what she has to say. Interesting stuff for sure. Uh, Sarah was not well received in Fairbanks at the Republican convention. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Um, how do you ensure convention delegates are going to care about the people more than legislators? That's a good question, Chris. I mean, again, it's a whole election process, so you have to pick um, you have to pick a, a, a you know you have to pick somebody based on I guess what they say or what their track record is. So it's the same kind of question about you know how do you elect legislators in that regard? Um, she's a better choice than what we have, says Anne. It's true. I mean, like I said, if she's in the if she's in the top four. I will definitely be ranking her for sure in the top four. Uh, I mean, in the in that final ranked choice. She will definitely get my vote in that regard. Um, uh, this host is doing another hit job. Boy, you're really just jumping it but up and down on that, huh? Um, all right. Um, the Palinites on all the Alaska sites I follow always claim that any negative comments on her record are hit jobs. Oh, and those who say them are rhinos. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I mean, if that's if pointing out people's flaws, if pointing out the mistakes that people have made, um, then uh, you know, then then and then that's a hit job because you point out the mistakes people made. Um, then uh, I guess sign me up for that hit job. Um, Abdul from Pakistan, I think is the way. Or, no, Abdul from Pakistan. I don't know what Herman is talking about. Uh, Chris Story is on the line with us. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Michael. Wonderful. I mean, everybody makes mistakes, right? I think it's about accountability. 
Sure. How do you how do you own that mistake, and and uh, what have you done in the in the interim since the mistake made it today? Yeah, no, exactly. There's no exception to that. Well, no, and I think anybody deserves. I mean, anybody can be held up critically, and you could point out the problems. I don't think it's wrong to point out the mistakes that people have made if they're doing something wrong. I've done the same with pretty much uh, with pretty much every legislator or uh, uh, elect you know elected official that I've talked to. I've made mistakes as well. Hey, it happens. Um, Chris Story, by the way, never made a mistake, ever. We're going to find out all about that here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. All right, uh, we're already, we're ready already. We're ready to dive into it. We're ready to talk about it. Uh, we are waiting for our big pick-me-up, our weekly pick-me-up, and that is from our friend Chris Story, the man from Homer, who comes on uh, right now to discuss, uh, we were just talking about how he has never, ever made a mistake in his life. I mean, other others of us do. And it's okay to point him out, but Chris has never made a mistake in his... No, he didn't assert that. I did. That's just me poking fun. Good morning, sir. How are you? Thank you for thank you for correcting the record, Michael. I think it's interesting that a, a quality of life is made up by moments in time, like this moment literally right here is adding up into what I will consider to have been a quality of life. And uh, absent mistakes, eh, nah, we all make mistakes, but it's about accountability. But what I really want to talk to you about today, um, and, and you, you take me, Michael, where you will, but I wanted to think about this idea of equality of life being made up by quality of days, which are made up by quality of moments, meaning you can set your ideal day. It's a practice. Lawyers have practice. We real estate agents have a practice. Doctors have a practice. Accountancies are a practice. Whatever it is you wish to do in life, it's just a practice. So if you want to set up an ideal life, you need to start with an ideal day. And how do you start an ideal day? With an ideal moment in the morning or an ideal morning. You set yourself up for success first thing in your day. But it it has to be conscious, and I think you have to design it. And that's what I want to talk about. Okay. I mean, you know, again, inch by inch, everything's a cinch, right? I mean, you need an elephant one bite at a time. So the idea is if you have an overall arching goal, then you break it down into more manageable chunks, and you break those more manageable chunks down into more manageable bite-sized pieces, et cetera. I could see this. Let's uh, let's get started. Well, just thinking about the idea of a design. You know, you, life happens to you sometimes while you're busy making other plans. It's just what happens. Sometimes you end up where you are with what you've got and go, wait a minute, how did this happen? Or how did this spin out of control? Or how did, how did I get so fortunate? Or lucky to be where I am here today and so forth. But I think there's a design in play whether or not we recognize it. And I, I am suggesting we recognize it. It's not my idea. A guy named James Womack wrote a book a number of years ago, and, and I interviewed him. And I've interviewed him a few times. And he's a, um, he's a pretty interesting character. And he does a lot of business coaching and consulting and so forth out of California. And he has this one chapter in his book, and it's what I glommed onto. And it's about creating your ideal day. And I can't tell you anything else about his book or practice, but I remember that because 
I implemented it about 15 years ago in my own life. And so it, the practice starts with, and how he suggests you, you treat this like an exercise, is to take a quiet moment by yourself somewhere alone with a pen and paper, no screens, just you, a pen, paper, a pencil and paper, or a you know, chisel and a piece of slate, something that's very physical that you're doing. And maybe you've got some soft music playing, maybe whatever calms your mind is in the background. It, it could be nothing. It could be at the beach with birds, whatever. And you really just sit with your own thoughts and you imagine and you dream about and you, you envision an ideal day. What does it look like? Who's with you? What are you doing? How does it start? How does it end? What does that ideal day look like? And literally just to know it's as fast as you can, as thoughts, no judgment. Don't judge any thoughts that come into your mind. Be they critical of yourself, whatever, write them down and create a vision and go back again to it. Maybe the next day and you begin to design something in your mind that then you can live in the world. My version of an ideal day probably looks different than yours as is different than, you know, my family's or anybody else's. It's unique to you, like your thumbprint, like your fingerprints, it's yours, but you get to design this and live by design and on purpose. And it, it's not always easy. Sometimes you fall off. You have to get back on the bicycle and keep riding. But my idea, ideal day starts with a routine in the morning that is, I hold sacred for myself. It sets me up for an ideal day. And then that day can get a little sporadic throughout the day because we live in a fast-paced world and the career choice I've made uh, means a phone call I get in an hour could change the trajectory of the rest of my day. But I've protected that morning, that routine, that time with myself and how I've set up for an ideal day. And then I have an ideal close to that day. And in the middle, I'm open. I make appointments with people and I set things up for success, but I'm also open and flexible. But that's my ideal day. Some people need more rigidity. Some people need total flexibility. And it's unique to you. And I think it's a practice. And so if you look at it like, oh, I, I, I didn't get my routine in this morning or I didn't, I didn't live my ideal day yesterday, it's no problem. You have tomorrow. You have this day. And it's a practice you come back to again and again. And in the end, I think we'll look back and go, this has been a great life. This really has been by design and on purpose, and I've lived my way. We can be like Frank Sinatra. Did it my way, baby. <laughs> well, you know, I remember reading, uh, you know, some of the more esoteric reading I did when I was younger, you know, Henry David Thoreau talking about, you know, nature and being out there in that silence and basically meeting, you know, in those in those times of silence and less you know lack of distraction, meeting the mind of God, so to speak, and 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 being able to pull your thoughts together. Um, Ralph Waldo, Waldo Emerson had something similar uh, in some of his writings about the same kind of thing, and and we are so busy today. We are so inundated. We are so from the time we get up to that first time we look over at our phone to turn the alarm off and then look at our notifications that appeared in the middle of the night, our brain starts working and we just, we don't seem to be able to take that quiet time to be able to analyze, to have that, like you said, to create what is the perfect morning. Is the perfect morning not having those distractions and what is, what are the, you know, what, what does that building block create? If the, you know, what is your perfect morning and what are the other building blocks that go into place beyond that? Oh, you mean specifically what is mine? Well, it's irrelevant. What mine is, it's up to you. For example, Elon Musk, the most talked about human on the planet right now, 
probably more talked about than uh, Vladimir Putin even. And he's the richest man in the world. But everything I've read about his life in the past and, and even recently, uh, no thank you. His version of hustle is basically working around the clock, uh, dropping on a cot or a couch in, in an office, whatever, wake up the next morning at sunup and start again and again. He just lives a different version of what an ideal day looks like. And that, to me, is frenetic. It's chaotic. And, and even if you could promise me $250 billion at the end of 18 years of doing that, I'd say still, no, thank you. Yeah. So it's a different <laughs> version of life. It's 200% different than what I want out of life, even though I right. have my own goals and ideals. But but my perfect morning, just to answer your question specifically, an ideal day for me starts off with uh, reflection. I have to take accountability for what I did yesterday, what I said yesterday. There's times that uh, I say things that I regret and say, oh, I wish I'd have handled this differently. I reflect on that in the morning. I think about it, and I think about how do I want to take that into today, and do I want to let it weigh me down, or do I want to learn from it, accept responsibility, and move on, and make today better? And I take time to literally reflect on that. I, I pray. I say thank you for this day in my life, and my health, and my family, and I go through. All, it's, it's very you know spiritual and quiet, and it's, it's to me and to my own self, and then then I'll brew a pot of, of coffee, of course, that's an ideal <laughs> morning for me, and spend probably a good hour reading something, anything from uh, it's books, no screens. So for me, that first hour of the day, I, I just no screens around me whatsoever, uh, just, just simply for the fact that I cannot trust myself not to delve in and find out what's happening, be it on Truth Social, or I just joined Twitter now that Elon's purchased it and said, oh, let's give this a try. I do. I protect myself from myself for at least the first hour, sometimes two in the morning. But that's to me setting up an ideal day of really seriously taking accountability. You made a joke at the beginning that I've never made a mistake. I make mistakes every day, and right. yet I really try to bring myself back to uh, that idea of taking personal responsibility and saying, "How would I handle that differently today?" If I had to do over again, would I do something different? And often it's yes, I would have handled that differently. And I've learned and you get to move on from it and, and uh, just set up for an ideal day. And somewhere along the way in that morning routine as well, I, I run. And, I, and if I don't get my physical exercise in, that I got to get it in sometime during the day. Uh, it's just become a habit force for me. Setting up an ideal day is completely different, though than somebody else. And that's why I, I, I hasten to share mine because it's irrelevant to you. What right. matters is that you sit with that pad, pad and paper, uh, pad and pen, as Jason Womack instructed, and just sit with your okay. thoughts and design your life. Okay. So um, let me say, so, so step me in the, you know, give me the building blocks here. Once I've developed my perfect morning um, or even perfect day, uh, what do I, you know, what do I do beyond that? Do I just stack that same thing on top of each other over and over and over again? Or what, you know, what do I do? Two things. Yes. And replace the word perfect with ideal because in an idyllic day, it's never even going to be perfect. So looking for perfection, I think sets you up to fail in advance. And so I, I like the idea in the term of ideal, not perfect. Right. Because there really is nothing perfect about anybody's life. And I right. think when we think that suddenly it's like, well, mine will never stack up. I'm just, you know, I'll never be perfect like that guy. Well, that guy ain't perfect either. And right. so an ideal day is essentially, as you just said, it's one day that builds to the next. But when you look for 
what makes your heart sing and what makes you complete and contempt, content, not contemptuous, but content, uh, <laughs> is going to be unique to you. And you're going to get to build just like a sculptor builds, you know, one pad of clay onto another and then ends up with a, something that looks like his version of a man or woman or wildlife or uh, a mountain, whatever it is. It's, it's going to build one upon the next. And I think it's just knowing it's a practice he sets you up that it's a lifetime. It, there's no goalpost, really, that you're trying to achieve. But I just spent some time with my 96-year-old uncle down in Florida when we were there. And mm-hmm. I asked him, you know, what, what's the secret to it all? You know, how, do you, how do you get to live this long and have your mind with you? And everything? he said, Chris, all that matters is family. So at this point in his life, as he's looking backward, he's just looking at those highlights of the family. And I guarantee you his kids gave him some grief over the years. I know them. They're my cousins. I know they gave him grief. But all he thinks about is family at this point. His ideal day today at 96 probably looks different than at 46. But I, I can guarantee you family's been at the centerpiece of that all this time. Right. Um, so again, this goes back to that self-reflection and that, that, that we keep talking, I mean, there's a common thread in almost every visit that you and I have together. And it always seems to be that self-reflection, that self-inventory, that self-analysis of, you know, who am I, what do I want? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my goals? And then building on that, that seems to be, you know, like you said, there's nothing, you know, the, the, the scriptures, there's nothing new under the sun, right? But it always comes back to that. And in fact, most self-help books that I've ever read always come back to taking that analysis of yourself. And I think the problem is, is that most people um, instinctually are not self-reflective. It's something that they have to train up in them. It's not a habit that they have. I mean, most people don't want to, you know, you kind of avoid looking at yourself because you know you're a failure and you're trying, you know, in many ways, and that's what sticks out to you instead of the the good stuff. Joan Didion had a quote uh, from an essay in the 60s that says, the willingness to accept responsibility for one's own life is the source from which self-respect springs. And I think that's that's what it comes down to, is when you set up this ideal day Take responsibility for what got you here to where you are today, and then where do you want to go tomorrow? And it is that self-reflection that you and I talk about quite a bit. And I think in this fast-paced world, it's harder and harder to carve out those moments of just sitting quietly with your own thoughts, with yourself, and saying, wait a minute, what do I want my life to look like? This may not be the perfect job you're going to get to at uh, at 8 or 9 o'clock this morning. Maybe it's not your ideal job. But what's an ideal day for you? Are you going to wait to live that ideal life until such time you have the perfect job? That may never come along. If you're found growing right where you are and living to the fullest where you are with what you've got, that's when the next best thing will appear in your life. But I think it does take that moment to, to sit with yourself and envision walking tall into the fullness of life, an ideal life starting today. And it could be repeated every day. Chris Story, uh, author of the book, The Backyard Millionaire, Born to Live, uh, Making of Man. I mean, he's got a whole bunch of stuff going on out there. If you haven't checked him out, you can find him on Amazon uh, or his books on Audible as well. And, of course, you can find out all about him at ilovehomeralaska.com. Final thoughts, Chris? Michael, I know you may not make it down, but on Friday night, I have a first Friday exhibit of the first sculptures that I've ever presented to the public at the Art Shop Gallery first friday in homer maybe you and mrs dukes come down all right well we'll see what we can do that might be maybe i'll take you to dinner 
You'll take me to dinner. Okay, see, now you're now you're tweaking me up about it. All right, my friend. Well, thank you for coming on board. As always, it's great to talk with you, and we appreciate your thoughts and insights today. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, folks, we are out of time. We're going to uh, continue. We've got one final segment dead ahead, and we're going to uh, pick things up with you, the listeners, on the other side. Now that we've gotten that uplift, I needed that. It's kind of hard to shift gears. Maybe we should move Chris to the end of the segment so we can always end on a high note. But I'm going to open up the phone lines, whatever you want to talk about. There was some criticism in the chat room that I was, uh, uh, that that was, uh, uh, you know, that I was beating down on somebody or, or uh, running them down or, or doing whatever. Uh, I, you know, whoever your, your, your candidate is, you know, come on and tell me why. I'm fine with that. I got no problem. Tell me who you are going to vote for out of the 48 different candidates that are there. I'd love to hear what you have to say, what your thoughts are on it. Feel free to uh, jump on board. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. We're going to be back with more right after this. It's the Michael Dukes Show. Why not take a quick break? Be right back. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, In the uh, break right now, and uh, we're ready to go. Let me see what else we got here. Supreme Court just confirmed. Did they? Um, decision, uh, Roberts, blah, 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 blah. Opinion, end of row. I don't see anything um, verifying that as of yet, but I'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, thank you, Harold, for bringing that up. Um, take Michael Dukes and Mrs. out for dinner. Oh, that would be twisting my arm. Oh, well, you don't feel free to take me out to, and my wife out to dinner anytime. Um, I received my ballot in the mail yesterday, said Chris, and so did, uh, so did Greg. He mentioned it and I did as well. I got all the ballots in the mail yesterday. So that's good. Um, and don't go into debt unless it's absolutely necessary, says Hawk. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that for sure. Um, don't, uh, yeah, you don't, unless you unless you absolutely have to go into debt, that is probably a good call. Uh, I personally have eliminated almost all debt for my life, and uh, it is definitely a load off when you don't have to think about those things. That is definitely, definitely important. It's a, it's a, it's a good piece of advice. Dave, Dave Ramsey was right. Holy cow! Yeah, I know exactly. Uh, perfect morning for for Hawk is uh, waiting on the sun to rise uh, on the Casilla Flats and all those birds coming to life. It's amazing if you ever go to a bird sanctuary. It's like the whole earth is coming alive. That sounds like a that sounds like a beautiful thing. I mean, I'll I'll be honest with you. One of my favorite, well, two of my favorite recollections of my perfect morning. Uh, I remember one when I was about. I must have been 18, um, of being on deck uh, of, a, of a boat in the Bering Sea. Uh, this would probably be January, being on deck, and uh, cold, 
uh, you know, breeze, medium sea, and then watching the sun come up over the horizon. That was an amazing day that still sticks with me to this day. That morning, um, cold, wet, tired, just finished a halibut opener, I think. Uh, I was on a commercial fishing boat. Uh, We were way out, way out in the Bering Sea down on the Aleutian chain. And um, I just remember standing on deck and watching that sun come up. And this, I mean, this would have been, oh, dark 30, because this was late summer. No, it was January. So... Because I was there in January. I don't remember the time of year now, but I remember watching the sun come up. I remember watching the sun come up, regardless of what time of year it was. What stuck with me was, wow. Uh, and then I had something similar one morning when I lived on, uh, when I lived on Maui a couple of years later. And uh, watching the sun come up over Molokini Crater um, was, again, another one of those uh, just Absolutely amazing. I had a picture of it. I actually uh, took a picture of that. I had my camera with me at the time and uh, on a tripod, and I was taking photos of the sunrise and just the peace of the waves and the quiet and nobody else out. That's a perfect morning. That's a perfect morning. Um, anyway, amazing. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. I'm still going through the comments here. We're going to um, um, uh, we're going to uh, uh, take your calls and everything else, but you're safe. It's not really confirmed until Michael Dukes finds the ruling. No, that's not what I was saying. Well, I mean, whatever. Uh, I had read this morning, uh, as of two hours ago, that the Supreme Court was still refusing to confirm that it, the leak was from them. In fact, they were issuing a no comment. So if you've got the link to that, Harold, where they confirmed it, Send it over to me. I think it's interesting. I mean, they may eventually do that, or they may have done it, and I just haven't seen it. No big deal. Um, uh, we got ours, but they are different. Names in different orders. That's the way they're supposed to be, Sandy. They randomize the names at the beginning of the ballot. So that's there's. I think there's three or four different versions of the ballot out there. And, uh, yeah, they randomize the names at the top of the ballot. <clears throat> um. I missed the first hour of the show. Have we talked about all the extra ballots that have been sent to people that notified the division of election they moved years ago? Do we just go to the state troopers for that information? Can we file a report for fraud with the strollers against uh, Vale and Meyer against the stroll? I don't know. <clears throat> uh, yes, we have talked about it. Um, and Must Read actually has some pictures of it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's there. Also sounds beautiful, Michael. Oh, yeah, both of them. Both of those sunrises. I mean, that was a perfect morning. I mean, it would have been better if I'd had a cup of coffee in my hand and uh, maybe uh, my wife there to share it with me. Uh, but I wasn't married at the time. So I'm just thinking of that's that's the perfect. That's a, You know what the perfect morning would be? Being able to sleep in as late as I want and just as I get up, the sun rises. That would be the perfect morning. <laughs> of course, I'd have to go to bed at 4 o'clock in the afternoon to make that happen. But You know, maybe one day I'll have the perfect morning where I could sleep in as much as I want and then wake up just as the sun peaks up. (laughs) 
All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. Thank you for coming in. I tell you what, we're just going to open up the lines. Uh, I was going to say we had to talk about well, whatever we talked about today, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm feeling adventurous. What do you want to talk about? Um, let's uh, let's do that. I was saying earlier, if you want to talk with us about who you're going to be voting for in the uh, upcoming um, special election with all the ballots that are arriving in the mailboxes, uh, you know, right now. I'd love to hear it. I mean, whether it's somebody that I'm voting for or not, that is your choice. I got to be honest, in the primary, I am probably, I haven't decided yet. I'm, I'm torn. I'm voting, I'm torn to be voting between um, Chris By, who is the Libertarian candidate, and Nick Baggage. Those are my two choices, and I'm, I'm, it's, a, it's, a, it's a coin toss at this point. Uh, as to which one. I feel like Chris By needs my support more to see if he can get onto the uh, ranked choice voting ballot. Uh, I think Nick is probably going to make it to the to the final four anyway. Um, but I haven't decided. I haven't decided yet um, which one I'm going to be uh, uh, to do it. So you, um, you know, feel free to uh, uh, feel free to tell me who who you are who are you rooting for. We had uh, earlier we had. Uh, um, uh, Jeremy called in and said he was going to be supporting Sarah Palin. Great, great. Uh, I know somebody else told me the other day that they were going to support John Coghill. And I was like, well, that's, you're right. Uh, tell me why. Because <laughs> I just wanted to know. I mean, why would you? Oh, he's 70-whatever he is years old and all the things that he's done on top of that. And Well, he's a statesman, you know. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just... I just want to know. Uh, I just want to know. Um, somebody just asked in the chat room, Chris By, why Chris? I like uh, Chris's. Um, uh, I like his attitude. I like his positions on policy. I like the fact that he has not been part of the political world, which in part is also one of the reasons why I'm attracted to Nick Baggage because he's not held political office. He's been part. He's been more involved in the political world than Chris By has. Uh, because he's been part of the, he was part of the Republican, uh, one of the leadership committees or things like that. But he's not soaked in it like a lot of uh, a lot of the candidates are. Um, but I like Chris By because again he is uh, you know a small L libertarian, and he and I probably hold more views in common than uh, than I do with uh, with Nick Baggage. But like I said, it's still a toss up. Um, it is uh, you know it, it's an interesting point and. And like I said, I'm going to rank in the top four. It's going to be, you know, it's definitely going to be, you know, Nick Baggage and Sarah Palin and then whoever else is in there that I feel can do a good job uh, if they all make it to the uh, if they all make it to the end there. Uh, Hawk says in the chat room, he says he's supporting Sarah Palin because she was instrumental in taking over both houses of Congress in 2010 with the formation of the Tea Party. She was a big part of that. I would not disagree with that. Um, but that was 12 years ago. That was a long time ago. So. Uh, I think that there's been some things in between that has kind of weaned me off her as a candidate personally, but everybody's welcome to go do that. 433-3150-433-3150 if uh, you want to uh, sound off. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Mike, and I'm in Fairbanks. Morning, Mike. <clears throat> so I heard you you were decide, trying to decide between two candidates, so I'll put my two cents worth in. Mm-hmm. First of all, if you believe in conservative principles, then 
at this point, we need to vote for a strong conservative. Since we only get one pick on that primary vote, you know, I guess each of us needs to decide, but we need that strong and well-supported conservative to get into the main main deal so they get into Washington. Uh, you know, I, there are candidates I would like to maybe vote for, but I don't feel that they're Chances are that good, so uh, in my case, I think Begich is the strong candidate, so that's prop that's who I'm going to put down on this primary. Okay, I'll let you go. Thanks. Well, I appreciate that, Mike. No, I think he's a good candidate. I, I definitely do. I think he's a good candidate. I think he's got lots of pluses amongst the Republican candidates that are on the ballot. I think that he is the strongest choice, but that's just me. Um, I would, uh, um, uh, but I and I think. You know, this is part of the problem with libertarians in general is that I don't think that people take a look at them in total to see that most of their values. In talking with Chris By, and I've had several conversations with Chris By as well. We've talked to him here on the program, and then I've met with him face to face as well. Um, you know, he's he's got conservative values again: smaller, more limited government, uh, getting government in, you know out of the decision making process of many things. Um, and, uh, you know, and wants to fight for Alaska. I think that those are all good qualities as well as his positions on, you know, national defense and second amendment rights and borders and things like that. So it, it, you know, like I said, it's a toss up, but yeah, you're right. You only get one choice during this election. You only get one out of the 48 to choose from. Now, when it comes time to the broader vote on, um, on the general, you'll have whoever the top four are. And I, I, I would bet dollars to donuts that in the top four will be Sarah Palin and Nick Begich, uh, probably Al Gross, um, and maybe, I don't know who the fourth wild card candidate, maybe a Chris Bayh, maybe if he gets enough attention, maybe not, I don't know. Um, maybe a, uh, maybe an, an Adam Wool or a Chris Constant, maybe it's, maybe it's a pretty equal split of two and two, conservative and liberal. I, I don't know. But I can pretty much guarantee that, I mean, I think, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Jim Lotzfeld or somebody who said, uh, you know, Sarah Palin, now that she's announced, could take a nap on the couch and still make it to the Final Four. I think she will. I think, she, you know, she's got the name recognition. Maybe Santa Claus makes it. I don't know at this point. But uh, we'll, we'll, see what, uh, we'll see what happens with that. 433 um, is the number if you would like to uh, sound off and uh, come on board. Um, Henry or David in the chat room says uh, the fourth will either be a Republican or a Libertarian. That's what I predict. Well, it, and it could be. Um, there's a ton of undeclared and independents and all those kind of things. Um, <laughs> there's a ton of stuff in there as well. Um, a baggage a baggage was the vote in Congress that brought us Obamacare. It's concerning that all unions are giving money and supporting behind Lovey Duck. It's a different baggage, but I mean, I know a lot of people are going to be concerned about Nick simply because of his name. He came on here last week and discussed that. I personally, um, I don't, I don't have a problem thinking that uh, I, I'm not worried about him going over to the dark side at the last minute. But uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of people that are simply because of the name. But we all know. Uh, uh, we all know that uh, there are many times when a family has a black sheep, whether it's a liberal family with a conservative black sheep or it's a conservative family with a liberal black sheep. We all know that that happens. 
So I'm not so concerned about the name as many people are, it appears anyway, to me. All right, well, we're out of time for today. That actually leads us right to the end. Holy cow. All right. We're uh, we're going to see you guys tomorrow. I don't know what I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to talk about tomorrow, but we will have something good. I know that Mike Shower is going to be joining us in hour two. That's the plan, anyway. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll have more information on SB thirty nine. Maybe some information on SB one ninety nine. I don't know. We'll have to watch out for that. You'll just have to show up and find out. How about that? That's what'll have to happen. Thank you, my friends. We appreciate you joining us. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Live well. We'll see you tomorrow, my friends. Have a great day. Okay, my friends. Well, enjoy whatever weather you've got. Sunshine, rain, no snow or sleet, I hope. We will see you guys tomorrow. Appreciate you coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
shed our terrestrial radio skin. And now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.